Oh, hello from the baptistry at Stage Right. Um, but recently, as many of you know, we got rained out whenever we tried to do our baptisms at the end of October. And we thought, what a wonderful time to reschedule those at the beginning of this series where both campuses are together in one place. Uh, so we're excited as we, as we uh, start this series that's called All In. Uh, we get to celebrate with uh, nine people this morning who have gone all in on their faith. And this morning, they're here to proclaim that truth to everyone in this room, everyone in the second service, and just those joining us online. So it's an exciting thing to celebrate with each of these people. So we're glad that you're here for that. So first up, Jade and Beth Chartier. If you guys will come up. So Jade and Beth, um, these guys are... Uh, might be just don't slip and fall down. Okay, success. So if you guys will just step in here. So Jade and Beth are uh, recently married. How long have you guys been married now? Since September. Since September. So congratulations on that. So newly married, uh, but both of them uh, accepted Christ years ago, uh, made a profession of faith. Uh, but neither in that took the first step in, in, in following in baptism. And then as they got married, they, they realized that, understood that, but they also more importantly realized as they're newly married, they have a desire to put Christ at the center of their marriage. And what a better way for them to start out that and having Christ at the center is taking that step of obedience in baptism. So they decided, hey, let's start this the right way as best we know how, and as best they knew how, was to be obedient to the Lord. So excited to share with you in that this morning. So Jade, would you say that you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And then Beth, likewise, would you say that you trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. Then it is my privilege to baptize you too in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, Lauren, come on up. This is Lauren Kennett, and uh, Lauren, she's been uh, attending here on the Edgewood campus faithfully for what, a couple years now? A year and a half. About a year and a half now. Uh, so I've been excited just as campus pastor here just to see uh, her faithfulness. Uh, she's always here. She's willing to serve. She serves faithfully for uh, the Hope Center in Canton. Uh, they're one of our strategic partners, and she serves faithfully and diligently, uh, helping them in any way that they can. Um, and Lauren, as she shared with me, um, for the bulk of her life, she would say that she had an intellectual faith, in some ways maybe a demonic faith, in that she believed in the existence of God, but she never faithfully followed him and um, it wasn't until uh, you became a mother that she really, similar to the Chartiers, is she wanted to lead her family well, lead her child well in true faithfulness. So she sought out a saving faith and gave her life to Christ and began to faithfully follow him. And I would say, from my vantage point, a faithful walk with the Lord. And it's wonderful to have you over here. And it's also wonderful 
to be able to share in this time with you as you obediently follow in that saving faith with baptism. So, Lauren, would you say that you've trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. Praise the Lord. Then it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning, friends. Come on in, Levi. This is Levi Ganung. Everybody say, what's up, Levi? What's up, Levi? Come on in here, buddy. It's a little warm. <laughs> cold. Maybe cold up here. Um, hey, turn and let everybody, let everybody see you. He's a little nervous. Hey, uh, so Levi, this is a special young man right here. I've had the privilege of knowing his family for a few years now, and um, it's a joy to uh, be able to see him growing up and maturing not only as a young man, but just in his faith. And just the last couple months, uh, Levi has just had to process the question, not only who is Christ, but why do I need Christ in my life? And um, he had lots of questions, uh, and I know his grandfather and his dad has been visiting with him about this faith, and, and I got to sit down with him, and I just said, hey, do you understand why we need Jesus? Why do we need Jesus? Who is Jesus? And we got to walk through that and understanding that our sin that we're born into, right, um, that, that has, we have this problem. We have this sin problem. And because of the sin problem, it separates us from a holy God. And understanding that Jesus is the only one that could fix that problem for us. And he bridges that gap between us and God. And he covers our sin by his blood. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, that our sin problem not goes away in our flesh, right? We're still going to struggle, but it allows us to, for God to see us not as a sinner and not as an enemy of God, but as a son and covered by the blood of Jesus. And uh, Levi got to just walk through that with me, and we read Scripture together and just got to get a beautiful picture of what the gospel was and why he needed Christ. And Levi, would you say that you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Yes, sir. That's a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing, and I'm thankful that I got to just walk with you in that and just to see you growing up in your faith. And, and because of your faith and because of you putting your faith in Christ, it's a privilege um, for your dad and I to baptize you as our brother in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church family, we all pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning and just for the privilege um, and the blessing to be able to come together as one body, one campus, to celebrate life change, um, for the brothers and sisters to come together and proclaim that Jesus is Lord of their life. We thank you for the celebration and worship this morning, and um, just as we transition into teaching your word, Father, I pray that you would illumine our hearts that you would allow your word to be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, and that we could continue to put you first in all things. We look to this holiday season, 
Um, just for me, even personally, may I not get caught up in the busyness of, of doing things, but may I get caught up in you. And may you continue to be um, Lord in all things, in all areas. And I just pray that you would just uh, allow our hearts and our minds to be in tune with your spirit and your word this morning and allow us to leave this place um, changed and look into more of your image and your likeness and your character as your word speaks to our hearts. We love you, Father, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning, church. Hey, we can do better than that. Like we're two campuses in one, we can do better. Good morning, gang. There we go. So I expect that to just increase in the next handful of weeks as we gather together. Uh, As I look at that picture with that little boy, I see myself. I can remember uh, going uh, swimming in the summers. Uh, We lived in a place called Brownwood, Texas, and uh, there they had a camp. It's called Camp Bowie. It uh, used to be a military grounds, and eventually they made a big swimming pool. And uh, in the summers, uh, we would go, and it wasn't uncommon to my parents. I mean, it was the 80s, you know. They would just drop you off for a couple hours during the day uh, and just trust that all is well. Like, we don't do that anymore, but in the 80s, you know, it was, it was, it, it was tough in the 80s, you know. You, and you could do things that you can't do now. Uh, but I can remember uh, at the end of the pool there at Camp Bowie, they had two diving boards. They had the diving board that most of us jumped off of, and then they had the one that wasn't really the kiddie diving board, but it was the big diving board. And I can remember as a young man, I would oftentimes go to that big one, and I would look over the top of it, and I would kind of inch out, and then I would back up a bit. Um, And then I would go, and, and people behind me would oftentimes be annoyed. You know, you have this line behind you, and they're annoyed because, like, just jump, just jump. And as a little boy, you're like, I can't just jump. Like there's this something in me that, that prevents me from just diving in. And you know, I think that as I struggled as a little boy with just jumping in, I see how that oftentimes affects even our faith. Like I would imagine that there's some of us in this room that we know that we should take a step forward, and even a leap of faith, and go more all in. But there's just something that keeps us from doing that. And as we think about what that something is, I think oftentimes it begins with just fear and worry and anxiousness. Um, I was studying this week, and as I was doing so, I came across a story about a little boy who Uh, It was around dinner time as the winter months. He wasn't really filling up to what his mom had made for the rest of the family. So he's like, Mom, can I just like have a bowl of soup or something? And she said, that's fine, but you need to go into the pantry and grab it. He's like, I can't go into the pantry. It's dark in the pantry. And she's like, it's going to be okay. Like, just go in, open the pantry, and just grab you a can of soup. 
And to which he goes, I, I, I'm like, no, I can't. I'm too afraid of the dark, and it's dark in our pantry. She says, listen, son, you just need to realize that Jesus is with you all the time. And he's going to be with you even as you go into the pantry. And so he goes into the pantry, and as he does, he opens that door, and then he closes it right away because it's just dark. And he's like, I'm afraid of the pantry. And in my thought, well, you'd just turn on the light, but the light was on the other side of the pantry, so he'd have to walk through. It's kind of this weird structure, you know, layout. As a result, he opens that door again, looks inside, and instead of going in, he just says, Hey, Jesus, would you hand me a can of tomato soup? (laughs) As we discover today in our Bibles just this narrative of not being anxious, I would love for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, maybe you're new to your Bible, Luke is in the Gospels. The Gospels simply mean good news. Uh, And if you're kind of new to the faith, the Gospels are in the New Testament, and they're the first four books, and it starts with Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. And as you get to Luke, you're going to go to the big numeral 12, that's the chapters, and then you can go to verses below that. And we're going to actually begin in verse 22. But as you're turning to Luke chapter 12, verse 22, let me just help you kind of understand the stage real quick. Um, as Jesus is about to say these things, um, he, is, he is inundated by a crowd of what we see in Luke chapter 12, verse 1 and following of thousands of people. Uh, There is a multitude of people. Matter of fact, they have trampled other people to get to Jesus, is what you see in the early parts of Luke. Now, as Jesus is talking to these thousands of people, it is interesting because as you read Luke chapter 12 and the narrative there, he always takes and he puts his emphasis on one particular group of people, which seems to be the men who are following him closely, the disciples. And so while there are crowds of people there, he is intimately trying to teach a handful of men what it looks to follow him more closely, to take a leap of faith, to jump in and be all in for their Savior. Now, As Jesus is teaching this lesson and he is teaching these men to follow him closely in the midst of thousands of people that will follow him, you also need to know that Jesus has already made himself some adversaries. There are a group of people who are already trying to trap him in his words. This group is called the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and they are trying to find something that they can use against Jesus. So he is well into his ministry, and certainly they are trying to pin something on him that would eventually lead to Jesus' death. So with that in mind, Jesus is going to teach these men in a multitude of thousands what it looks like to follow him and to go all in. And You might read this passage and think, well, it seems a little bit familiar. And here's what it says, beginning in verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. And of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small as a thing as that, why are you anxious about rest? Consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory 
was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Verse 32 then says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then he gives them an encouragement in verse 33. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For your treasure, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here it is. Jesus is encouraging these men to... Not be anxious. Matter of fact, in verse 22, it says, hey, not be anxious. If you look at verse 25, it encourages them again to not be anxious. And what are they not to be anxious about? They're not to be anxious about the daily provisions that God says, I will meet your needs. Verse 29, if you look at it, it says you are not to be worried about the things that you're going to eat or drink or wear. And then he gives you these illustrations. If I take care of the birds of the air and I take care of the grass and the lilies of the field, how much more will I take care of you? And what's interesting about that is he says, I want you in the midst of all these things, verse 31, to seek the kingdom. And in verse 32, Jesus said something, and I want just for us to focus on it, and the rest of our time this morning is in verse 32. And look what it says. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now in the midst of this, he says it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And here's the point. The point is Jesus is trying to help these men who are following him to see that there is far more to come than what you can receive glory in today. He's trying to help these men say, hey, listen, there are things that are that are finite, there are things that are temporal, there are things that will not satisfy, there are things that many other people toil and labor and strive after, but I'm encouraging you to strive after and toil after something far different. I'm encouraging you to seek after the kingdom, to seek after my righteousness. And it's interesting because as he's encouraging them to do that, he is telling them to fear not. To fear not. In the midst of anxiousness, in the midst of worry, in the midst of any of this type of thing, he encouraged them, verse 32, to not fear. The idea there is to not be dismayed, to not worry or, or to fret, to not in any way seek to lose another hour of your life because you're worrying away everything Throughout the day. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you would say, I, I'm kind of a classic worrier? Go ahead, you just raise your hands there. Like, you just worry about everything, you know? And, and oftentimes, worry and anxiousness kind of, can kind of rule your life. Well, here it is Jesus is encouraging these disciples to fear not. And it's interesting because as he says, fear not, he then says, little 
flock. Now, when he says little flock, it's actually a kind of a, a double a double meaning word there in the uh, in the Greek. It's little, little. So it it really has a kind of a double entendre. It, it literally is saying, "Fear not, little, little flock." And what he's saying is, is hey, fear not, you men who are are little. Now, when he says little, he says a little flock, and you might think, well, small in number, and uh, certainly you could derive to that conclusion. They are small in number, certainly compared to the thousands they're surrounded by. But what else would little mean here? Well, he says, if, if you're saying, fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, you might suppose, well, if they're little, then that means they're a part of a flock. They're a little flock. That means they're a part of something bigger than themselves, a family. They're not orphans or aliens but they are little. And I suppose that you could say here that little would mean weak, feeble, uh, certainly prone to danger. Uh, Potentially, if you're weak, it means that you're not large. If you're weak, you're not strong. Uh, Maybe in your mind, when you think little, little flock, you could think, oh, I feel like David compared to Goliath. The idea here and the imagery as Jesus is saying these things, as you seek his kingdom, though you are little in stature, though you are weak, though you are not strong, don't be afraid. Now, why would we not be afraid? Because the Lord our God is with us. When is he with us? Wherever we go. And that was even the uh, Hebrews 13 is just a reminder that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. It is what he made promises to um, the Old Testament saints. It is the promise that he gives us, fear not little flock. And as you look at little flock, not only are we weak and feeble and prone to danger, but it's in the midst of this weakness and it's in the midst of being prone to danger that he says, we are a part of a flock, which a flock is just a herd of sheep, right? You know that. But the thing is, is if it is a herd of sheep, he says it is the Father's good pleasure. I love this because Jesus could have said, the good shepherd is with you, but that's not what he said. He says the Father is with you. And the reason that he says that is because he's giving us multiple meanings right here in one sentence. He is taking the imagery of both a flock and a family, and he's putting it all together right there in one one sentence. And the reality is, is though you may be little in size, you have nothing to worry about. If he cares for the ravens and he cares for the grass and he cares for the lilies in the field, how much more will he care for you because you are a part of the flock? Though you're little and you're weak and you're feeble, you are not alone. And the Lord our God will strengthen you and he'll establish you and he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. Now, that's when we say amen. Like that's when we respond to the Lord and his kindness to us. Why? Because we are indeed small, but we are also a part of a flock. Or, I suppose you could say, a family. Matter of fact, if it's the Father's good pleasure, that means that you and I, in this particular text, look at it and we see these disciples as sons. That is the promise that Jesus is making to them, that you are a son. That means that if you're a son, you have an inheritance. 
Matter of fact, earlier in this same dialogue, uh, someone asked the question, hey, hey, Lord, can you not get my brother to share some of the inheritance with me? As a part of the family of God, we, we don't have to beg our Father who is good to give us an inheritance now because we know that there's an inheritance now, but there's a greater inheritance to come. Why? Because we're not orphans. We're not alone. We have a family. And the family is not just an eternal family, but you can look around, friends, and you can see that God's good design was to give these disciples something more to come. And while they had the community of one another, eventually God is going to give these men the church. And the church is going to flourish. And the church is going to become it's going to become an entity, an organism that is alive, that is making the Lord and, and His sake famous throughout the earth. And as a result of that, this little flock who has a good shepherd shall not be afraid. Why? Because they have a father who it's his good pleasure to give the kingdom. Now think about that. To give the kingdom. And not only is it to give the kingdom, but it's his good pleasure. See, God delights to give good gifts to those he loves. And I think we could take this and spin this in lots of different ways. You could say, well, if he delights to give good gifts to those he loves, does that mean that he gives anything that I want? Well, I think if you're asking him to give you things that he's warning you not to desire or to be anxious about, then you might have it a little confused. Because what is he actually saying don't be anxious about? What is he saying don't worry about? Well, he's saying, hey, don't worry about your food or your clothing. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep. Don't worry about some of the things that you and I oftentimes worry about. So what is it that we are to be worried about? He says you ought to be worried about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as a result of that, you ought to know that there's a king who desires to give you good gifts. What are the good gifts? Here you go. I would say a good gift is that in the midst of being weak and feeble, you have a father who loves you. In the midst of feeling like you could be alone, afraid, or scared, you are not alone because you have not only a father, but he desires to give you a community of people that makes up the family of God. And as you have the family of God, you enjoy not only the company of one another, but you encourage one another to be ambassadors. After all, if we're seeking after the kingdom of God, which is what we are encouraged to do, he desires to give you the kingdom. Listen, you don't have a kingdom without a king. And we have a king. And not only do we have a king, we have a king who loves us and desires for us to know more about his kingdom and to walk in the promises of his kingship. And even moreover, for us to go and to be ambassadors of all that he has delighted to give you and I as good gifts. It's interesting because as I read this, I cannot help but think about this passage in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, um, written by a guy named David, uh, who was the king of Israel. Certainly as he wrote this, uh, could have uh, been before he was a king, but what's interesting is as he writes this, he does so from the perspective of a shepherd. A shepherd who delights to watch over a flock. A shepherd who knows that um, a real shepherd cares for his sheep. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd protects, right? 
A shepherd provides good gifts to a weak and feeble animal who is prone to danger. And I don't know if y'all realize this, but sheep are prone to danger because they are not all that intelligent. Now, we can think God's certainly insulting to compare us to sheep, but the imagery is perfect. And the reason why is because many of us are foolish. And why are we foolish? Because we know that God encourages us to do what's what's right and what's in, what's also obedient towards him and yet we find ourselves doing what what's right for ourselves we find ourselves also worrying about things that the father in his good pleasure has delighted to take care of if we'll trust him and yet it is us who oftentimes forget But I love this psalm because it just reminds us of who the Lord is. And so as we wrap up our few minutes together, let's read this together. Um, You don't have to read it out loud, but I want you to certainly follow along. This is a great promise to us as David, a shepherd, writes the heart of our Heavenly Father. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. and You anoint my head with oil. Cup overflows, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is encouraging us to walk closely with Him, and His promises to preserve us and to help us walk faithfully with Him. But he also was warning us as he warned the disciples, hey, don't get caught up in civilian affairs. That's what Paul told Timothy. And as you think about civilian affairs, those are the things that cause us to worry or to be anxious about. It's the very things that oftentimes give us anxiety through our week. And what do we do? When we have those things creep up in our life, we cast them upon the Lord. We take our worry, our striving, our anxiousness, our toil, and we cast it upon Him. Why? Because if we don't, those things keep us, prevent us from jumping all in. And the next couple of weeks as we gather together, listen, I want to encourage you to be all in. And when I say be all in, I'm not talking about, hey, be all in for me. I'm not talking about, hey, be all in for Stone Point Church. It's not an encouragement to, hey, be all in. And by the way, can we get you to do this? The reality is, is if you are all in in your faith, if you are a son with a father, if you were a daughter and you were an heir to a king, I don't have to go about convincing you to do things. And if that's the way you see it, it actually is determining something for me and should for you that kingship is not the desire of your heart. And you are confused about what family you are contributing to.
See, the reality is our goal to go all in is not to say, hey, let's all gather together and let's go all in so that we double our church this next year. That's not the goal to be all in. What is the goal? The goal is that all of us would be more faithful tomorrow than we are today. And that we would just spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And that we would continue to remind one another, as long as it's called today, to not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And that we would continue to just remind one another why it is that we run this race and why it is that we desire to persevere. And it's because there is a Father in heaven who loves us and he's given his Son as a precious gift to us. And that is true for anyone, regardless of where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you. There are many reasons that you might believe I can't go all in. And some of those have to do with you And some of those have to do with someone else who might be a stumbling block for you. What I am trying to help you understand, little flock, is regardless of how weak and feeble we are, there's a father who delights to grow you in goodness. And he delights to have a relationship with you that is not only life-giving and refreshing, but he delights to bring to you a joy that is unspeakable. He delights for you to worship him and to find green pastures and still waters. He delights for you to know that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil for he is with you and he is near to you. And friends, I pray that as we walk out of this place today, singing and celebrating new life in Christ, that we would just be reminded that the Lord wants us to go all in. You may be on the edge of the diving board, There may be reasons for you not to take the leap of faith, but may you ask your Father to give you not only good gifts, but to help take away the things that prevent you from jumping in with Him. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for these brief moments that we've had today. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us to trust you, to put our dependence upon you, That as we are taking a step forward, I pray, Lord, that uh, we know that there may be things that we have to leave behind. I pray, Lord, that we would desire to walk in righteousness. That we would desire to walk under the King of all kings. Lord, there are many things in our life that we have bowed down to. But I pray that, Lord, we would not yield or bow down to anything other than you. And I pray, Lord, that as we submit to you, that you would order our lives in such a way that we reflect your goodness, that we reflect your grace and kindness to others, and that people would know that though we are little in size and though we are weak and feeble, Lord, we are strong in the Lord. And the more that we decrease, the more you increase. And the weaker we are, the stronger you become in us. And I pray, Lord, that our life would be filled with your glory with your righteousness, and that you, Lord, would be all that we desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.